I have an interesting word for you. And um, it's a three-word statement of the Lord Jesus from Luke chapter 17, verse 32. And I want to turn to this. Luke chapter 17, verse 32. It comes from Genesis chapter 19. And it's the story of Abraham and Lot and Lot's wife and Sodom and Gomorrah in a terrible time in human history where God uh, had to really deal with Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, God was trying to get his people out of there. And Abraham got prayed and Lot's family, and they were on their way out. And, uh, and, and Lot's wife, Jesus said in chapter 17, verse 32, remember Lot's wife. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. What's interesting about the context, since you have your Bibles open, uh, Luke 17 is all about the end times. And he's telling the early church, the, the fledgling beginning, actually prior to the development of the church, the disciples, not to become preoccupied with the crumbling of the past. A lady wrote a, a, a novel about this and how somebody was preoccupied with the crumbling of New York City and, the, and, and it, was, it, it had inferences about uh, Lot's wife looking at the, the, the degrading of the society and, and he was basically saying, uh, don't look back. And, th and this is, in fact, such a strong thing because in, in his discussion about the end times, it's interesting to note that he, he, didn't, he didn't say, remember Eve, the first woman, or remember Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, two notable and excellent examples of, of, of uh, mighty females who cooperated with God, but it was Lot's wife. And the only information we really have about her was that she lingered and longingly looked back. And she became a pillar of what? Why? Because she was staying, she, because of her lagging and because of her interest in, the, in looking back, she got stuck. And God was saying to the church then and to us now, um, you, you got to watch out. Remember Lot's wife. Um, and he's telling the disciples, and now he's telling us, fast forward to 2022, because that is in the book of Luke, and it's pertinent for us today as much as it was for them, um, that we are to forge ahead and um, not waver in our times in these last days. You know, the context is talking about the last days, and um, we are certainly in a world that's crumbling and um, world systems are being shaken, uh, the, the unsettling uh, things going on in our times, and, uh, and yet we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Uh, and I am responsible to pastor on Sunday mornings, specifically teaching a series on uh, foundational truth. And I wanted to be like Charles Finney and do systematic theology, and here we are about six months later, and I'm, I'm, I'm still going. I'm, I'm a baptized in the Holy Spirit pastor that wants to be led by the Holy Spirit, and I, I'm convinced that God has hidden manna for us. God showed me years ago at the beginning of ministry that I'm not speaking to a crowd. I'm speaking to individuals, 
uh, and that you, have, you matter to heaven and that God loves you, cares about you, knows what's going on in your world, knows what's up, has a plan, has actions, has, has steps for you, has wisdom for you. Uh, Friday night, I talked about wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. We need uh, insight on what to do. Knowledge is, is, is amazing. Facts are friends, and it's important in this information superhighway we're on, in the information age, that we are current and know what's going on, and that we don't bury our heads in the sand or, or ignore uh, or get apathetic about things. We see what's going on, but not anxiously so, because we are informed by this central truth that every other kingdom, it'll come and go, kingdoms will be shaken, but we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. And therefore, we can be steadfast and movable, always moving and, 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 and understanding and knowing the will of God and moving on in God's purposes, right? Hallelujah. So William Devane keeps telling us, hey, you guys better go buy gold coins and silver. And, and he says, if you're not nervous, you should be. And I thought, no, come on, William. Um, we're not going to ignore things. We're not naive, but we're not in fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And in Isaiah 41, uh, 10, it says, don't anxiously look about you. He says, because I am your God. How many of you have had God take care of you through a thing or two? Some of you have been through things that are ridiculous, and yet God brought you through. You've been through times where you didn't tell anybody, and you sat and cried. Some of you strong men sat and wept with tears, hot tears burning down your cheeks, and God was there for you. You've been through divorce and the pain of it, and you didn't expect it. You made a covenant, and it blew out, and, and, and yet God's there to pick up the pieces, fan the flames of your life, restore you, revive you, bring you back into healing and help. There are cancer survivors in here that aren't just survivors, they're thrivers. There are people in here who have been through depression that was so dark you didn't think you could get through it, and yet you're still here today by the grace of God. And the church of Jesus Christ has weathered so many storms, so much hostility, such a, a, acute persecution, such struggle and trial. The word of God is forever settled in heaven. Jesus is in his throne and he has not moved or budged one millimeter. His presence is available to us. And he says he's coming back to a glorious church without spot or blemish. And you're part of it. Say, I'm part of it. And you need to understand that. What's trying to encroach on our culture now to undermine the human value is a satanic thing because Lucifer hates himself. He's the father of lies. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. My Bible says, when I see how you bathe the universe and how beautiful it is and all the seas and all the beautiful things in it, what's man that you're so mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? I will tell you unequivocally and without apology, my God loves you with an everlasting love. He's drawn you with his loving kindness. And I will tell you it's correct theology and foundational truth that nothing, I repeat, nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. God's love is specialized. It's intense. It's not intermittent. It doesn't fluctuate. It's not superficial. It's not flaky. It's not shallow. It means business. And God is love. And everybody that's born of God it loves God and, and gets connected with God's love and becomes a carrier of the love of God. Hallelujah. So I'm excited and I'm admonished like you to not look back. And, and I want to say this to you. I've got a couple of scriptures, an Old Testament truth, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. We'll go to that because 
I have a word for you that's going to help you today. Super Bowl Sunday, day before Valentine's Day, uh, all the variables going on in the world, Olympics over in China, uh, Russia converging on Ukraine, all the things that, you know, uh, $85 to get a half a tank of gas for your SUV, all this stuff going on, $25 for a 12-inch pizza, stuff like that. It's going crazy. You know, six bucks for a cup of coffee, all that stuff. I know. And, uh, and, and yet, we lift up our eyes and we remember Lot's wife. So we don't longingly look back. We don't anxiously look about us. We fix our eyes on Jesus, right? And this is acutely what I'm aware of. And I'm so thrilled to bring this word to you. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. I just prayed for a young man who's just finished his ACTs yesterday. He's anticipating what to do with college. He's in that new season of his life. He's a young 18-year-old, 17, 18-year-old. J.J. Ellis just turned 16. Stand up, J.J. Happy birthday on Tuesday. I pray protection on you. you. I proclaim you to be the best driver in the history of the world. In Jesus' name. And your mama says amen. All right. We love you and you stay safe. Happy birthday, brother. You're a good man. We love you. Look at Isaiah 43, 18. When Patsy was in college, the Lord spoke this scripture to her. It helped my wife. It stabilized her. She, she got help from God. He says, do not remember or call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. Doesn't this sound similar to what Jesus said, remember Lot's wife? He said, do not call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past He says and explains it next in verse 19. Behold, look, pay attention, watch, heads up. I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? The reason he asks, will you not be aware of it? Isaiah speaking to ancient Israel. Guys, don't be distracted. Pay attention and quit just looking in your rearview mirror. Quit longing Uh, longingly looking back, quit embellishing the past, you know, uh, quit idealizing, quit carrying crippling regret, get your head up. He prophesies God's about to do something new. God's doing a new thing. Jesus makes all things new. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away and new things come. New things come. Uh, And so this verse has a breakdown of former things. Don't call to mind the former things. These are, this is a category of things that occurred in the last few years, recent things that people talk about. They're still fresh on their memory. Things that you remember, you know, that pop up in your head. They, they seem to be conversation pieces, and people tend to go to these ideas. This verse challenges us, actually, to turn 180 degrees and start planning for a good future and a new beginning. Then it talks about don't consider the things of old. Now, I want to be careful with this because in this hour where people are working hard to undermine culture with history revision, it's just like Lucifer at the very beginning in Genesis 3, no different. He came in and tried to be a history revisionist right in the beginning by skewing what God had said. 
by confusing Adam and Eve about the original foundation and fundamentals that God had initiated. That's the strategy of Satan and Satan's people. So it is important and imperative that we stay in the foundation of the solid themes of the Word of God. So when we say forget what lies behind, we got to be cautious and, and so we can understand what it means and what it does not mean. It means... Don't be preoccupied with your past, like the shoulda, coulda, woulda's, regret. Don't be preoccupied with patterns of skills that maybe God wants to have you move into something different. David was a shepherd, but then he, became, he had a destiny to be a king. Certainly, the things he learned as a shepherd uh, uh, enabled him to be a better king because taking care of the sheep in a humane way uh, was, was more than symbolic and paralleled with taking care of his subjects and his people and being good to them. He learned leadership principles for sure, but he had to move forward. It wasn't just always going to go. Jesus was a carpenter, and he really actually has a destiny to build. His, he's building the church, and he says he makes mansions for us in heaven. I go to prepare a place for you. He's a wise master builder. But he, he got to the point where he had to advance from the Nazareth carpentry shop of Joseph and move into the next phase and next tier of his life, right? So, like, for example, I sense this, and I'll tell you, uh, give me a moment in church here. Uh, uh, I've watched the patterns of the Holy Spirit from all these decades. And, and I see now when the pandemic hit and, and all these variables happened and you know, in order not to spread contagions, you know, uh, uh, distance and stay away. I'm, uh, it, you know, I understand that and I see that. But the outcome of some of that has brought isolation. It's brought loneliness. It's brought detachment. But yet, if you look around, this is jammed in here. God's continually building. It's adding. God's growing. He's adding to the church daily those who are being saved. And he's doing an amazing work. And when I was praying at the end of 2021... Standing right up here on a Sunday night prayer, pacing. A phrase came into my spirit. A magnetic juncture of divine happenings. And I balked at it at first because I wanted something simpler. But God spoke to me, 2022 is going to be a magnetic juncture of divine happenings. A juncture, uh, that's another word for junction or a, a, a moment, an, a, 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 a geographic location, a crossing the road, a position. Uh, magnetic magnetism has attraction and it also has repellence. Have you ever played with a magnet where it, it'll draw and, and but if the pole's different, it'll re, it, it'll 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 uh, separate. There's been a terrific amount of that lately. The Lord is purging and refining generally the body of Christ. He's doing a new thing and he's preparing people like you and people like me and places like us and church houses like this. For very specific uh, purposes. And that's why in Jeremiah 33, 2, it says, Thus says the Lord. Aren't you glad we have a talking God? He's, so many scriptures that start out with, Thus says the Lord. We have a, you know, in, and in the Mediterranean, Paul preached to the Gentiles and he said, God delivered you from dumb idols. And he wasn't saying they were stupid, he was saying they were, they were mute, they didn't speak. Because they, they were. They were wooden things made out of man's hands. They weren't telling him how to get the plan of God. They weren't speaking the blessing of the Lord over him. They were just little hollow man-made contrivances. He says, God delivered you from that mute, dead, non-speaking stuff and brought you into a God who loves you and is willing to tell you things. He's willing to listen to you when you pray. His ear is inclined to the prayer of the upright. 
in my, that famous verse, chapter 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you know not. And, and, and that, that just tells you, hey, there's stuff you don't know. And, and this verse right here, call, don't call to mind the former things. Don't be preoccupied with the last two years. Well, why did we have to cancel Easter? And, why, what do we, and then what do we do with jump? And in, in my case, or, or your case is work. I own a business, and I just talked to a man who started a restaurant just in the last few months. And he introduced himself to me at the table side. My son and I were having a lunch, and he came over to say hi. And, he was, and I said, man, the, the, we like your restaurant. This is great food. And we heard about you. He said, well, thanks for coming. I said, yeah. and, and, he, and he, he, I said, man, you built this and started this in this context. He goes, I know, it's crazy. I said, I like your form of crazy. He said, thank you. And so, actually, I took my wife there. I'm going to help him. He's a small businessman. Put all everything on the line in this context. You know I'm going to support that. This guy's stepping out. He's not yielding to fear. He's willing to rise up to the occasion and get out there and do something. He's not cowering in a cave or hiding out in a corner. And nor are we. We're the body of Christ. But we're also not just going through a routine and momentum. Um, you know, my, my, my trainer that works, I work out once a week with, uh, he told me that you're going for strength, mobility, and flexibility. And Jesus is, God is the strength of our lives. We're to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And like what you're doing today, getting out in 28-degree weather, Super Bowl Sunday, where there's a chicken wing shortage, but there's, <laughs> it cost you $85 to drive to church today, 85 back, but it was worth it. Why? Because you've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. You're rousing yourself. And like David in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, you, I, we are strengthening ourselves in the Lord our God. Strengthened with might and power by his spirit in the inner man. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. There's a quotient of achievement that's embedded in your soul. God made you in his image. That's one of the issues I have with Marx's viewpoint. No God, no need for God, no God's image, no worth. The absurdists that came out of, of, the, of the wars of World War I and II in Europe, Albert Camus and, and John Paul Sartre, I take issue with their conclusions. They were intellectuals. They were brilliant. They were studious. They were markedly different than most. They were creative. They were genius. They were wrong. Life is not empty, meaningless, and absurd. Life has value. Jesus is the author of it. There, he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder. Oh, am I in denial about how terrible World War I and World War II are? No. My daughter just got back from the, the traumas of Poland. Uh, we went to the Holocaust Museum and spent a time in Jerusalem seeing the suffering of our past generation. I will not ignore it. I will not deny it. But I, I will not look back in torment I will not look back in idealism. I will not look back because Jesus said, remember Lot's wife, where she longed, the thing that we, only thing we know about her was she longingly looked back at the world. Oh, this is important. 
This is important because, you know, Hebrews 11 reminds us of the past. So this is the dichotomy of my message. It's not, a, not really contradictory, but it, it just needs, it needs balance. It demands balance. So it, we're to forget what lies behind, but we're, we're not to be forgetful of the past breakthrough. We're not to be forgetful of our testimony. We're not to be forgetful of the power of the blood of Jesus, of what specifically happened historically on Calvary when a person named Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross for your sins and mine. And he was crucified and he died and he rose from the grave. Hear the word of the Lord. And he, he ascended and he sent his Holy Spirit and he's coming back. First the rapture, then the second coming. And in the context of Luke chapter 17, where people are going, what about the end times? Titillated with the information. He said, remember Lot's wife. Don't languish. Keep pressing on. And I believe this is as much to fortify the early disciples. It's also equally of value, certainly uh, imperative right now for us in 2022. In order to have a magnetic juncture of divine happenings, we've got to invest our time in this, draw close to God, love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as we do, the Lord will add to the church daily those who are being saved. I'm confident of this very thing. He that has begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Christ. Faithful is he who calls you. He will also bring it to pass. You've made decisions. You've submitted to him. You humble yourself. There's repentance going on right now. Adjustments are being made. It took something for you to get here. Some of you drive 40, 50 miles. I've driven in paths where I know where some of you live, and I said, this is how far so-and-so goes every time they come and show up at church. It takes effort. Uh, I, I remember a quadriplegic that would come and sing at the top of his lungs. And I, I thought, you know, able-bodied people, too busy. Here's a guy that has to catch the bus, that has the lift, that gets rolled in, that's dependent on people while he's here for help on the, on the things we take for granted in our lives. And so when I would hear his voice, which was always off-key, <laughs> it did. not only did that not bother me, it signaled to me, though off-key, he's making a joyful noise unto the Lord. And he showed up. Hallelujah. The things of old go back in time, that go back in time, back to antiquity, history, tradition, past ages can be included in these things of old. This verse commands us to leave the past and get ready for the future. Remember Lot's wife, leave the past and get ready for the future. Everybody say, get ready. The Lord has new things in store for each and every one of us. I repeat, the Lord has new things for each and every one of us. He said, behold, I make all things new. He said, I make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And prior to that, he says, will you not be aware of it? This is a prophetic message, just like when Isaiah prophesied to ancient Israel. Pastor Jeff is up here reiterating in a prophetic tone. Get ready. Jesus is about to do some new things in your personal life. Jesus is about to do new things in your house. 
and your household. Jesus is about to do visit upon your business. Jesus is about to visit, visit on your community, on your people group, on the things you love, on the people you care about. He's about to visit upon the United States of America. He's about to visit upon the generation of Generation Z and all the Y and X and, and, and the, even us good old baby boomers. <laughs> Ten minutes ago, I was having people trying to get people not to look down on my youthfulness. Paul told Timothy, see to it that no one looks down on your youthfulness. I had to work at that. People say, oh, little preacher boy, oh, you're so excited. You, you know, you'll burn out on this. They had to pat me on the head, put a little wet blanket on me. And then after now, I'm maturing. Now I'm maturing. I'm over 28 years old. In case you're visiting here, my name is Pastor Jeff Perry. I'm over 28 years old. That's my story. I'm sticking with it. And I am convinced, when I was starting to pray as things were restoring, the Lord spoke to my heart about momentum. And this is what I told you. My, my trainer said, momentum is not good when you're working out. I said, what do you mean? He said, it's good if you're desperate in a moment, like you're driving a car and you're, you're going down an icy hill and you have to anticipate the hill before you. How many of you, we just had snow, you remember that? Thank God it melted. But, you know, you, you have to get momentum to catch enough to, to get that, because the traction is being lost because of the ice, to get you over the hill. Um, and so it's good. Like, momentum is good. You're picking somebody up if they fell down, and you need to just kind of hoist them up. But it's not good. It's, it's, it doesn't do good for the small of your back and things like that. And when I was uh, exercising on my own, I had a curling bar with 100 pounds on it. And I would take that thing, and I would swing it, and I, I was so impressed with myself, and I would go, whoop, 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 whoop. Hey, Patsy, come out here. Come here and look at this. Whoop, whoop. That's 100 pounds. She'd go, great. What do you want for lunch? You know, that's about how, that's about how much I impressed her. And Bob Brookman, he, he, was, he was with me. He said, he said, that's all you, man. That's all you. That's what you say at the gym. That's all you, man. I'm not even spotted you. And, but it actually was not all me. It was momentum. Because I had a guy saying, okay, now stop. Do the correct form. Get down. Use your legs. Don't use your back. Pick that up. Pick it up to here. And now curl it. I went. <laughs> Patsy, stay in the kitchen. Don't come out here. You know how John Bear gets excited guitar face when he makes a blues note? I was making, wait. <laughs> so the Lord was showing me that, hey, look, momentum is good. You're flowing. These, these projects, my hand's been on them. The blessing's there. But I'm doing a new thing. And I want, I want the land to rest. I want, I want the, the, the ground that through, there needs to be a crop rotation. So let the land rest. This was in the, the land in the Bible commandment that every seven years they had to let the land rest. And, and those of us that have studied anything with Agriculture, 
um, beans take certain nutrients, soybeans will take certain nutrients out of the ground. Corn takes different nutrients out of the ground. And um, when farmers are smart, they do crop rotation so that sometimes, uh, so that one will take one thing out and put another thing in, and they study this, and those who understand horticulture and these things, by the way, God has the best green thumb on the, on the, in the universe. He knows about seed time and harvest. He knows about the productivity of your life. He knows about the plans he has for you. It's incorruptible seed. We keep our hearts with all diligence. Watch the soil of our heart, making sure that we take weeds, roots, uh, lust for other things, desire for other things, all that garbage, pull it out, keep weeding the garden. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, break up the fallow ground, for I'm about ready to rain righteousness on you. Fallow ground is ground that's been plowed, but it hasn't been sown. And then you go back out there at settles. After You know, you take the, 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 the plow and you break up the ground and break it up. And I watched this right here in our own fields here for years when the Fick farmers, Mr. Fick would, would, would farm those fields. And he'd come out and he'd plow it. It's just this beautiful, loamy, dark topsoil. You know, it used to be called gumbo flats because it looked like gumbo. It was a color of gumbo, which is, you know, it's like nice and brown and good soil, good soil. And, uh, but, you know, then it would settle and he'd have to come out and replow it. Breaking up your fallow ground as it pertains to this word today, this foundational truth, is, okay now, God's about to rain righteousness on us. He's wanting us to be selective with what seeds we sow. We as individuals, us and our families, our households, our time expenditure, our finances, our, our decision-making, right? This is a time of refinement where God's helping us out here. He's giving us wisdom. How many of you, that you know some things, you see some things, but you need what to, the how-to of what to do with it? Like I knew to lift weights, but somebody came along with wisdom and said, don't, don't swing it because you're gonna, it's going to increase injury and you're faking yourself out. You're not as strong as you think, which was insulting to my male ego. But as I've matured, I appreciate it. It's like, good. So, so I now lift the weight that, I, that corresponds and, and it's gradually adding strength and, it's, and I'm not swinging, which would cause injury to other parts of my body. Same thing with the church. God is saying, I don't want momentum right now to be the hallmark of this season. I want the land to rest. I want the people to rest. I want their minds and hearts to be healed, their, 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 their passions, their, their, their fires to be stirred, their, their, their fervency to be kindled afresh. And, and, and I want to, because I want to, I'm doing a new thing. And I, I want to download guidance on people that will be sensitive and be willing to listen. So remember Lot's wife. Don't longingly look to the past. I'm a student of history. I love the word of God. And I've also studied history of revivals. And because I became a Christian in the Jesus movement, which was a, a revival in the mid-60s and 70s, and, and I also uh, came from Los Angeles, so I, I remembered the famous Azusa Street revival. I studied revivals in, in Wales because I lived in England and I worked in Wales. 
um, the Welsh areas of uh, places where God visited those places. I studied about the great awakening of the colonial days of America. It's given me huge hope for this season we're in right now. God help my generation. He'll help the youth of today. The young man who just finished his ACT and his sister. Young JJ is 16th birthday. I'm trusting that God is going to be upon that age bracket with such excellence, such provision, such direction, such wisdom, right? But for all of us, for all of us of all ages, these little babies with a lot of baby bumps in our church, he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Mark said, no, there was not even a God. Just You're just fetal, you, you, you just, uh, fetal material. You know, it's, that's, very, that's very demeaning. I drove through Russia, and I saw, I went in the subways, everybody was dressed exactly in drab clothes, heads down, reading the paper, not looking in eye-to-eye contact. I looked at all the housing. It looked like cockroach houses where they put little cockroaches in there. Here, little cockroaches, go live in these little spots. You're nothing. The state is everything. The devil downplays. I hate humanity, says Lucifer. I hate because he hates God. So he's, he's a hater. He hates him, and he hates everything that's made in his image. And he hates the idea that his time is short. But, and he hates the idea that God has built the church in such a resilient way that even the very gate strategies, plans of the enemy cannot prevail against him. Amen. I'm running out of time. So I'm going to close with Philippians chapter 3. He's doing a new thing. New things are exciting. New things are exciting. And uh, he said, uh, this is not going to be predictable. Aren't you glad God does stuff that, you know, I'll show you when you need to know it. It's like, okay. And aren't you glad that uh, one day you'll know it? And you'll, you will have been made ready for it at St. Louis Family Church with the Foundation Series on Sunday and Miracles Message on Friday and all the prayer that's going up and believing God that's good, that, that, that we're going to be able to make a difference in the world we're in right now. Can I hear a hallelujah? hallelujah? Who in here is excited, so excited that you can't even say it because it's so exciting? How many of you would like to be excited if you knew what you'd be excited about, but since it's by faith, say, I'm going to be excited by faith. Let me ask you, how many of you are excited by faith? You know, that's good. You know why? Because if it's not a faith, it's sin. So we don't base our lives on sight. Peter was doing great when he stepped out of the boat until he walked by sight and looked at the winds and the waves and he started sinking. But even the Lord Jesus was there, not scolding him, going, you idiot, and letting him see, like archaeologists just found the skeleton down there. You know, and as Peter down on the bottom of the Galilee, you know, 130 feet down on the bottom of the lake. No, Jesus picked him back up and walked him back to the boat and turns to the body of Christ and says, guys, when you get that opportunity to step out and walk on water, keep your eyes on me because I'm going to steady as she goes, help you out, raise you up, see you through all the way to the fullness of God's plan for your life. Oh, hallelujah. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 12, Paul said, not that I've already obtained it or have already been perfect, become perfect, but, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead.
See, I don't swing the 100-pound weights anymore. I don't have any need to show off to my wife because I already won her heart, and she thinks I'm fabulous. I fished for that. She, did, she, she said she did. I'd actually rather know what I'm really capable of doing. Now, if I needed to, I could get out there and use momentum and get, pick up more weight than I usually work out with. Our church, we need to know what our capacities are and what we as individuals, our, our calling is, and be locked into that and get strengthened and be built up and be prepared. Yeah. How to speak to the nation in a time of distress. How to, when they, when they bring their sick to us. Look, people that are mean to you, they know you're a Christian and they're going to bring their sick to you. You better be ready to pray for them. I had a guy that was aggressive and kind of his, his, hindering to our advancement as a church, a city official. And then, uh, and then one day he said, hey, Pastor Jeff, would you pray for my brother-in-law? He has a brain tumor. It was a serious thing. I said, I will pray. And I prayed for the guy that kept saying no to us about the advancement of our church. But Jesus is a yes and amen. So I prayed for his brother-in-law. You know, the next time I saw him. Hey, I was at the mall. We were at the parking lot at the mall. Hey, my brother-in-law is totally healed. I thought, wow, if I had carried bitterness toward the guy and I was reluctant, I'm not going to pray for your brother-in-law. How stupid, right? That's why we can't take the bait. Are we going to hate this group or are we going to hate this group? We're not going to be equal opportunity haters because God wants us to walk in love. So I'm going to love that group, and I'm going to love, because the Bible says to love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. There's an Eastern Bloc dissident that was put in prison for 17 years, and he decided every day of his time in that evil, harsh uh, Romanian prison, he would pray for his captors. Jesus said, bless them, Father, for they know not what they do. And boy, that's a, to err is human, to forgive is divine. You need Jesus on that. So you turn the mute on TV and you start praying in tongues. If you don't pray in tongues, you should pray in tongues just by watching the news. So I don't know if I believe in that tongue stuff. Watch the news. You need to learn. You need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to pray in tongues. Right? Put it on mute. Pray in the Spirit. In the name of Jesus. Right? I hear the consolation music getting me off the stage. My speech is over. Let's all stand up on our feet. Say this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which lie behind. Reaching forward to what lies ahead. Say, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Can I, by the way, tell you that it's an upward call on your life? It gets better, JJ. You're not a boy anymore. You're a young man and you, you know, your mom helped you to have a youth, a good youth, and now she's helping you to be a young, mature, maturing man. You're going to have a lot of fun through your life. You're going to be my age, and you're going to laugh. You're going to make people laugh. You're going to have a smile on your face probably 90% of the time, which is, you know, that's a great thing because people will be so miserable and sorrowful. You'll be able to carry healing to them. Now, people say, well, what do you, what do you mean? Uh, isn't Jesus coming back in 10 minutes? That's what they were. Hey, what about you? He says, remember Lot's wife. Don't look back. Don't be preoccupied with figuring out the hour and the day of Jesus' return. Be about the Father's business, full of faith, walking in love. You love him so much, you're willing to die for him. 
your life is not of any account to you. He said, Paul said, my life is of no account to me that I may finish my course and fulfill what God's called me to do. So here we are, lift up our hands. You that have been hit by pressure, you that have been saddened, you that have been disappointed with yourself, you that have been hurt by people, you that things have been depleted rather than abundant and you're like, things don't reconcile. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. I speak a blessing into your life, healing into your mindset, renewal into your vision. Say this with me, I forget what's behind, I reach forward to what's ahead. Behold, he's making something new. Lord, help me to be aware of it. I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to come on me. Now, nudge or elbow somebody next to you and say, I pray a spirit of wisdom and revelation for you. Wisdom and revelation, healing and blessing, parenting, anointing, supernatural love, amen.